The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of The Heat Check, we dig into some news from around the NBA, specifically around Quinn Snyder's exit from Utah and what it means moving forward. And of course, we delve into Golden State's bounce back win in the Bay. Yes, we do. Also some new news out in Lakerland, which we'll get to as well. Man, uh, it's new sheriff in town. So got lots to get into Brock. So let's hit that damn beat. Utah was on shaky ground, right, for the last two years. They've been bad. They've been doing things all the wrong way. The most fraudulent number one seed in the NBA, they've had early exits to Denver. They gave up a huge lead to the Clippers. Just a disastrous fashion after disastrous fashion. Their center uh, from France shut down the entire NBA uh, because he wanted to cough on every single random mic that he could find, uh, making fun of, I don't know, probably one of the worst pandemics we've ever had in history. He didn't know that, so that's fine. That leads to tension between him and Don. Donovan Mitchell, and that has continued on and spiraled out of control to the point where now we have new ownership like D. Wade coming in, trying to assuage things, trying to massage things between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, which is not working because he only passes Rudy Gobert the ball one time a fucking game. Front office changes. Don't know if we can cuss on this. Don't know. Don't know. So I don't know. Not sure. Uh, And now it's very obvious that things are officially officially off the rails in Utah. Utah Jazz news. There's news. Woj bomb. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah Jazz, has decided to step down with two years left on his $2 million a year contract. That's very nice of him to do because this is what he had to say. I strongly feel that Utah needs a new voice to continue to evolve. That's it. No philosophical differences. No other reason. Just after eight years, I feel it's time to move onward. I needed to take time to detach after the season and make sure this was the right decision. I don't know about y'all, but uh, it's pretty generous of Quinn Snyder to decide to give up $4 million of money into his own bank account for the good of the franchise because they need a new voice to evolve. Absolute mensch move. I've never seen that one time before in my life where someone steps away from the game, has no other intentions to coach or do anything else. They just said, listen, like, 
I think you guys need more than what I can provide to you. So I'm going to step away and let you guys blossom alone. It's not you. It's me. It's not you. It's me. Oh, boy. For, for those of you who don't know this, Donovan Mitchell and Quinn Snyder are very tight, extremely tight. Mitchell decided to extend his contract for five years because Quinn Snyder was there. That's a very large reason that he decided to sign that deal. And now he's probably not excited, can't be excited, about his leader leaving a sinkingly, seemingly sinking ship. And and in the background before this, there was already a ton of speculation that Donovan was already on the brink of forcing his way out of Utah. So now that Quinn is out, I wonder wonder if anyone's checked in on Donovan Mitchell, see how he's feeling about all this. See, see what itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. No, that's rude. Donovan Mitchell is reportedly surprised and disappointed following Quinn Snyder's resignation as the head coach of the Utah Jazz, sources told Woj. Sources also describe Mitchell as unsettled, unnerved, and wondering what it means for the franchise's future. Have you guys ever worked at a job where you have a manager who may or may not have recruited you, but that's your direct manager? And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, need you to hop on a Zoom call. He sends you like a random Saturday afternoon calendar invite. And he's like, and you're like, I wonder what this is. I wonder what this is. And then he's, this isn't good. Either I'm in trouble or something weird's happening. And then you get on the call on a random Monday and he's like, hey, this is my last week. And you're like, wait, hold on. And he's like, yeah, I got this really great other opportunity. Has nothing to do with you guys. It, what's going on around here didn't play into it at all. Just feel like you guys need a new voice. And I need some time as well to step away to some new things. And then you're like, I'm happy for you. But uh, what does this mean for me? Uh, I, I kind of came here thinking that it was me and you. With this, is there something about the business you don't know? Or that you know that I don't know? Something that I should know? Like, that's Donovan Mitchell right now. Donovan Mitchell is everyone when his boss decides to leave two years left in his contract. What? Wait, why? Because we need a new voice? I like this current voice. And by the way, I was already thinking about dip setting, so now I'm really fucking gone. Because what if I don't like this new boss? I'm starting to evaluate other options, you know what I'm saying? Things are not going swimmingly in Utah, obviously. Uh, The existing tensions between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell apparently were refueled uh, during this playoffs when Gobert decided to bus toss Donovan Mitchell at the end of the season. Uh, This is what Rudy Gobert had to say about the quote-unquote Utah Jazz, which was, let's be honest, a ricochet shot at Donovan Mitchell. A quote, We all know, I wish I had a French accent, we all know that when playoffs come, we're not going to just flip a switch and all of a sudden communicate and all of a sudden be able to stay in front of our man, all of a sudden be able to rebound. When I watch some of these other teams, like the Suns or the Warriors, for example, those guys are a step ahead of us in terms of winning habits. That's so fucked up. I feel like they take the game personally. You can tell Devin Booker is playing his ass off defensively. I've been watching him compared to like two years ago. Guys like that, 
They buy in. You can tell they take pride in playing defense. They take pride in stopping their man, doing whatever they can defensively to stop the other team and be a part of a winning culture. Folks, you know Rudy Gobert's not talking about himself because he's already run one defensive player of the year twice. So who must he be talking about? I don't know. Maybe Donovan Mitchell, who has become more and more a turnstile for this Utah Jazz defense. Rudy bitching about Donovan Mitchell not playing defense when actually in in all factual basis, uh, the Clippers series that they ended up getting bounced from was because of him. Like, he wasn't able to rotate out into the perimeter. But that's a story for another day. All that means is that the tensions aren't getting any cooler. Things aren't getting any better. Apparently, um, Spider was uh, furious about that. He has all the power in Utah. His camp basically is in charge right below ownership him and Danny Ainge, his camp and Danny Ainge are basically on the same level. And sources say Donovan Mitchell was fucking furious. <laughs> of course. Of course. He told Tim McMahon that Gobert violated locker room protocols by publicly pointing a finger at his teammate. Yeah, I mean, this isn't Kobe and Shaq, folks. Like, there's no on-court success to keep this thing afloat. So now Quinn Snyder's probably off to, I don't know, like Bali to do uh, some eat, pray, love or something, like get clean, go at the, uh, go to the Hoffman Institute in the Bay Area, start doing some inner child work. I don't know what he's up to while the Jazz are simultaneously imploding. Rumors are Jazz are now going to fill their head coaching position fast. Candidate number one, because I love this stuff. Candidate number one, Terry Stotts, former Portland Trailblazers head coach, Apparently friends with Quinn Snyder actually came in uh, to a practice at Snyder's invite early this season to quote-unquote observe games and practices for a week. It's like when uh, my boss has another person who's like in our Zoom meeting. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> He's like, who's that? He's like, oh, no, that's just Brandon. Brandon's just integrating and He's just wanting to learn a couple of things. It's like... Is, is Brandon going to be doing your job at some point? What's happening here? Who are you, interloper? What's happening? <laughs> seems like seems like a wise... Excuse me. Excuse me. I need to know more information. I'm not comfortable with all these new people around while, there's, while I'm the little dog engulfed in flames. Like, everything's going to be fine. Also, also... It seems like a pretty wise decision to recruit Terry Stotts to run this franchise and this team considering he was fired for his team not playing defense. Mm. Uh, So uh, to go to a team that struggles with playing defense feels like a perfect fit to me. (laughs) But hey, look at him. Just take a look at him. If you're uh, listening on the Odyssey app right now, uh, just do a quick little Google search on your alternate screen to Terry Stotts if you don't know what he looks like. He fixed all the boxes for Provo, Utah. Like, he just fits it right down to the T. He's the kind of guy, 100%, and I love Terry Stotts, nice guy, 100% the kind of a guy who thinks, uh, he's like, yeah, I did something crazy tonight. And you're like, what'd you do? I ordered uh, I ordered medium salsa tonight instead of the mild. <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? I thought you were going to say something. It's like you're sitting in the Uber, and I'm like, hey, that's a... Do you see that sign on that cab right next to us? That's a kink cab. And he goes, a what? <laughs> a what? Never forget. Never forget this because the Portland Trailblazer fans do. 
The Blazers had the worst defense in all of basketball in a year that had statistically the worst defensive year in NBA history. So by the power of deduction, Terry Stotts' team, the last year before he was fired, had the worst defense in NBA history. And now he's possibly going to take over a team that already struggles with defensive assignments and schemes. Like he's going to come in and fix Donovan Mitchell being basically what, I don't know, Damian Lillard is? What? What? If anyone is li- from Utah is listening, which I'm sure they're not, uh, do not hire Terry Stotts. Do, you, do not. Do not. Another name being kicked around is David Fisdale, which I actually like that idea. He loves defense, that grit and grind uh, Memphis team that he had. Not only is he tight with Donovan Mitchell, but he worked for a long time in Miami with Dwayne Wade, a minority owner of the Utah Jazz, uh, who I think is going to be pulling a lot more strings. Apparently he's been unhappy with the way that Utah has done their job. Going to need that in order for the Jazz to free attack track free agents to a place. Honestly, like this place is so bad. This place is so uptight. Utah doesn't even, they're limiting the amount of coffee shops in Utah because caffeine is such a sin. And it's a, it, like, well, what do you think free agents are going to do in Utah? If they can't even order a medium latte, like that's as hot as it gets there, it's going to be tough. Mark Stein is also reporting that Danny Ainge, get this, guys, get this. Uh, Danny Ainge has his eyes on, uh, drum roll, please, drum roll, please. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Brad Stevens. <laughs> what? Yes. I love this idea so much. Hire a guy who couldn't win with two all-stars to the point that you had to break him up almost, that that was getting batted around, to running a team with two all-stars who can't stand each other. What could go wrong? What could go wrong in a place with almost no venues for those two stars to let off steam when the tensions get high? With one of the worst, most volatile, most hostile fan bases in all of the NBA. Trader Danny and Brad, obviously they're a match in heaven. Pretty sure, pretty sure, because Danny Ainge, for those who don't know, is Mormon. Mm -hmm. Utah. Mormon state. I mean, it's like where they all go besides... uh, Mesa, Arizona. You don't go to, if, you, if you like warm climate and you're Mormon, you go to Mesa. If you're okay with cold, you go to Utah. So if you did a 23andMe on Brad Stevens, I'm pretty sure you would see that he was genetically a Utahan. Like he's genetically from Utah. As for Donovan Mitchell, like truthfully, I think he's gone. Like I think he's gone. Why would he stay? You think about this guy. He's from New York. He plays basketball in college at Louisville, which I just heard has like four restaurants and no black people. And then he ends up going from Louisville to Utah, which has like four restaurants and no black people. So yeah, I want to get the hell out of there. I want to see some things. I want to see the world. I want to be like Jasmine on the Aladdin rug. Like somebody show me things. Uh, CJ McCollum actually went on first take today, the MBPA president. I wanted to get the clip for you guys, but uh, ESPN found a way to get rid of it 
because it could have been seen as tampering. They asked uh, C.J. McCollum whether he thought Donovan Mitchell would want out of New York, and what he answered was, because I've got great memory and I just listened to it, was basically uh, Donovan Mitchell, first and foremost, I want to say Utah uh, is a great place to play basketball, and I hope that Donovan Mitchell does and continues to do whatever makes him happy, and I hope that Rudy Gobert continues to do whatever makes him happy as well. And that was his entire statement. He was not going to say anything more than that. He was not going to get caught up, which I think is smart. And then first take deleted it. Uh, So Donovan Mitchell has been linked to the Knicks and to the Heat, which is really interesting considering Pat Riley just said something that I think really ties things in. This is what Pat Riley said. I think we're seeing this in the league where if you want to win a championship and you want to be a starter – you really have to become a two-way player today. What? Excuse me? Because that really shows me something. It shows me something that, one, let's be honest, let's be honest now, Tyler Hero's not going to get the bag. That's the direct shot at Tyler Hero. Like, I absolutely not going to be a starter for Miami, not going to get the max money for Miami because this man doesn't play defense to the point where he was a liability in the series against Boston. It, and, and Tyler Hero has said he wants to be a starter in Miami. But Nick Friedle noted that Riley's words are more important than ever in a broader scope for the league because if you have a team of one-way players, you aren't going to win. So what does that mean, right? besides Tyler Hero not getting the max to come off the bench and him not probably being in Miami, in regards to Spida, well, like, we know what Rudy Gobert said about him. He's not a two-way player right now. He's basically become a turnstile. So they're either not going to go after Donovan Mitchell, which has been the rumor, or they somehow think that they're going to turn Donovan Mitchell in to Drew Holiday, which I'm not so sure about. Uh, I love Pat Riley. He's a smart guy. I talked to Nick Nurse about Donovan Mitchell's defense. He said he does play defense, and I said when, and he did, and he's not respond. He's not responded. He's not responded to that message. Uh, lots of things uh, to watch for in free agency in Utah, but I, I think truthfully, it's headed for a complete teardown and a complete rebuild. matchup could be two franchises with massively interested fan bases it could be greater interest overall in the game but either way ratings have come in folks and uh oh boy are the nba finals ratings up and when i say up i mean all the way up like fat joe the nielsen rating for game one peaked at 13 million viewers which makes it the most watched NBA Finals game won in three years. The graphic shows that the finals are also up 27% in that coveted 18 to 49 demographic. Hmm. Pretty much in line with the growth that the NBA experienced over last season when regular season games reached the highest average viewership since 2018. So every round of the playoffs have increased in viewership and all reached multi-year highs definitely helps having marquee guys in there right you got Steph you got Clay you got Dre you got Tatum you got Brown all very marketable stars with very passionate slash 
the delusional fan bases. <laughs> Game one was also awesome, right? It was very compelling. You had a fourth quarter comeback. A deluge swings in there. A deluge of points by Jalen Brown. Thank you. Mostly, though, I think uh, the league is benefiting from these new stars, getting new run. This playoffs, we've seen a huge emergence of young stars. So although they're known in like NBA circles, nationally with casual fans, they're not well-known. Like, you might say this is crazy, but like not everybody knows who John Morant is. Like, not everybody knows this Luka guy. Like, not everybody knows Jimmy Butler, Trey Young. Even the rookies like Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes and Ant Edwards showed themselves on a national stage where they have arrived and come here and got to a place where now national casual fans know their name. And now you've got other stars like LaMelo Ball and Cade Cunningham looking to break through. So I think that the league is only going to get... listening live and you're wondering why there's music i hope you hear the music uh it's a transition it's a transition from one topic to another and it makes me happy it's a prof- it's something professionals do it's like it's something i i as a professional do <laughs> i'm such a clown all right as as hard as this is for me to say there might be a ray of hope out in Lakerland. They've been down and out. And I know they're having a... T- I know I even have a hard time believing that there's a ray of hope. But but it's true. They do. New head coach, Darvin Ham, who 10 years ago was an L.A. assistant working with Kobe Bryant, is now making the rant rounds talking about his coaching philosophy. He's former Milwaukee Bucks head coach as well. He's an NBA champion. Uh, things were going pretty well. Pretty just like standard questions until all of a sudden Darvin Ham dropped an insane quote uh, that might be the best quote I've ever heard about the fact that we all work in an industry that's like not really that serious. It's really not like that big. We're not talking about covering the Evaldi shooting here, right? We're not talking about talking covering the war in Ukraine. Um, Darvin Ham said this, I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan. This is where it gets weird. I was shot in the face by accident. You go through something like that, you do one of two things. It's going to make you fearful or fearless. And it made me fearless. I I don't feel no pressure. It's just basketball. Whoa. Uh, I need some more clarity on how that went on and like when and, and are you okay? And like, wow. Yes, Darvin Ham, not a man to be messed with. And if you think that this was just a one-off uh, and that Darvin Ham's going to be the only hard rock on the L.A. Lakers and it's just him and a bunch of guys from the Front Vogel era, the Frank, Frank Vogel little, like, minions, you're, you're wrong. News jo- just dropped today, courtesy of Shams. It's a different sound than the Woj bomb. It's a pew, pew. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Shams bomb. Four-time NBA All-Star Rasheed Wallace has agreed on a deal to be an assistant head coach for the Lakers under new head coach Darvin Ham. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Both were teammates in Detroit and part of that 2004 title team. You guys remember 2004 Pistons? They were the last team to win it all all without an all-star. 
How did they do this? They punched everyone in the mouth. They were tougher. They were meaner. They were stronger. They were dirtier. Literally, they were the toughest NBA team of probably the 21st century. Penny Hardaway, who coached at the University of Memphis, where Rashid coached as an assistant last year, said it was a question of loyalty. Rashid, I think Rashid might be going to L.A. with Darvin Ham. That was the deal from the beginning. If Darvin had gotten a job last year, Rashid had already promised him that he was going to go with him. So I'm thinking this year with him getting the Lakers job, Rashid might still be going along with that process. What does that mean for L.A., you might ask? Well, it means that they have gone from Frank Vogel and a man named Mike Penberthy. Uh, that's his name. I didn't make that up. Google that, and you'll see two soft dudes. F- to Darvin Ham and Rasheed Wallace. And if you thought Ime Udoka was hard on his team this year, calling them out publicly, saying that they didn't have mental intensity, they weren't tough, they weren't sharing the rock, they were, you know, all these things that he said. If you think that was bad, take that toughness and then add it to someone who was shot in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you think it's going to go, like, Ime Udoka from Portland, Oregon, Darvin Ham, Saginaw, Michigan, shot in the face. Mm. Don't mean to make light of it, but no. it's a different tribulation here. I know what was going on. And just, like, wait what Darvin Ham says when Anthony Davis falls on the floor, like, six times and has to leave the game. And he's sitting in street clothes the next night. <laughs> Listen here, you little fuck. I got shot in the face. You tweaked your ankle, you go out there. You go out there. It's like a dad that literally, or a mom, where they went through something very traumatic. Like, or or even just like, I went to college, and, and I had a B. And my mom was like, I had all A's, and I was raising your little ass. And it's like, well, but I'm not you. And it's like, yeah, but but I was shot in the face. Only thing that remains to me is for Darvin Ham to hire somebody like Gary Payton to come in and teach these guys some defense. Whew. Rob Plinka said, I don't care really what he says, but I, I like this team lacked an identity of toughness last season that Ham will bring this season. <sighs> I mean, yes, that's true. But the question is, truthfully, how do you expect toughness when you're a player who's only off-season, like if you're a front office who's only off-season signings where guys on vet minimums that literally are just trying to get a ring. They're on their last miles. They're literally the, the 1965 Pinto that's just like <laughs> not even passing emissions tests. Like you think like Carmelo wants to get into the paint with Evan Mobley? Like he wants to go up against Joel Embiid? No shot. You think Dwight Howard's going to throw elbows at Jared Allen? Listen, you can teach a new dog new tricks, but you can't make them run wind sprints when they don't close out on a corner three at some random game, like your name was Stan Van Gundy. So, I don't think so. We, we all do know one truth, right? Uh, and also, really quickly, I'm not saying that this is, like, going to mean anything for the Lakers. Like, that they're not going to – if you're thinking I'm saying that they're going to win any more games, like, they're not. They're not going to the playoffs next year, but they will be fun, and they will be tougher. I'm not saying they're going to get a, get a title. They're still a train wreck. Yeah. But at least now they're a train wreck with a backbone. So that's, that's kind of where we're at, though. But we all do know just one truth. Can't really judge this team until uh, Kendrick Nunn is back on the court fully healthy.
See, the song is is a transition about a team that took an L and then they bounce back. So what do you think the, the, the next segment's about? The Warriors, obviously. You know nobody? I don't think... Okay. So let's talk about this game, shall we? Oh, boo-boo. Oh, folks, everybody said Golden State's dead. I didn't. I put it up on the tweets. Golden State plus 150 to win it all, dot, dot, dot. That means one and a half times your money if you're not a better. This team was minus 200 to win it all the game before. What a swing. Come on. Oh, baby. You know. If you watch the game, you know what it is. You should know what it is. Golden State isn't losing. This team doesn't lose in the finals. They've done a deal with the devil. Steph Curry has become somebody who doesn't miss one game. One game and you write them off? Golden State's done? Don't do that. Don't do that. No. What? Sir, let's be honest. Come on. Golden State did in the first two quarters of game one what they do. They play with their food. Then the blitz comes in after halftime, right? Genghis Khan ripping through villages, just like, just honestly just destroying, mauling you, coming in with an intensity that you are not sure was going to come because they're just up and down. First quarter, they let you in, they let you out. And then the fourth quarter, like I usually say, that this team is organized chaos. The Golden State Warriors are one of the most creative teams in NBA history. They don't do things with structure and order and discipline. It's fucking creation. And what do you do? Sometimes things get messy. Some things get bad. Turnovers are plenty. And that's exactly what happens when you think you're up 12 points going into the fourth quarter. Steph Curry sitting on the bench. And then the deluge of points... From Jalen Brown happens, right? They let the lead slip away. Don't act like somehow Golden State's just the worst team. Let's not act like what Boston did was so repeatable, right? You're talking about, look at these role players. Look at these role players. My man, Al Horford. 26 game, 26 points in game one. Six threes. You think my man Al Horford is going to do that in game two? Come on. Like, Draymond knew that, too, because he was talking about it. Like, he had two points in game two. His over-under is ten and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a big, big swing. Big swing. Derek White, he hit four threes in game one. Did not hit four threes in game two. Marcus Smart, he played really well game one. What did he do? Two points in game two. Marcus Smart was fucking awful. I mean, historically bad. One for six, five turnovers, never created for his teammates, never generated offense. He was a liability to the point Udoka played him 25 minutes with a minus 12 minute, 12 rating, and, and Pritchard had to play the point over Marcus Smart. Mm. So <laughs> let's be honest. These role players, they showed out in game one. They got open. They hit their shots early. That co- created confidence. And when Golden State left their foot off the gas, that's when the opportunity came for Boston. Boston's a good team. As for the Warriors, they lost the fourth quarter in game one, mostly because of Andre Iguodala. Ugh. Ugh. Nine, minus nine and 12 minutes. And I like Andre Iguodala. I think he's a great player. But he hasn't played much all year, and we're not even sure what he has left in the tank right now. 
and it didn't look like he integrated particularly well, particularly fast. Integrated. Game two, game two, what happened? He was out with neck soreness. Mm. 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 Yep, I feel that. I feel that, Steve Kerr. Just tell him, go sit down a little while. Go sit down. You'll get a ring. Don't worry about it. You're just not going to win finals MVP again. Listen, listen, haven't you been tired of watching the ball go everywhere that you've turned it over to? Like you've... <laughs> it's sore now. I can't feel myself. Steph Curry, what we also know about him is that if you look at Boston and who they played, they neutralized KD. They neutralized Kyrie. They neutralized Giannis. They neutralized somewhat Jimmy Butler. Steph Curry has not been neutralized. This man is averaging like 27, 27 points. 29 and 30. Sheesh. He's already an MVP. He's already going to get the finals MVP. It's happening. And you might say, like, Tristan, you've said so many mean things about the Golden State Warriors. Are you trolling? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I'm dead. Actually, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. How do I know that Golden State's going to win it all? Because that would make me so sad. It would make me so sad if they won it all. I am desperately searching for reasons that they could lose, and I am struggling to find them, really. Like, they had to historically collapse in a fourth quarter for Boston to win game one. Historic! It was so gross. So Boston, of course, they can bounce back after game one. They're great after losses, but you're still going up against championship medal of Golden State, and that's the difference. Celtics, top seven Celtics players by minutes played, all had negative plus minus with every single player who played more than 20 minutes in double-digit negative numbers. Yuck. As an aside, really quickly, damn, does Clay look slow. He looks so slow. On offense, when he's dribbling the ball, trying to quote-unquote penetrate, it doesn't even look like that. It, it's not. That's not Clay. He's shooting under 30% for the series. He needs to get back healthy, healthy. Will his quickness ever return? I'm not sure. I hope so. Those two injuries are tough. Um, and what does Boston need to do in order to win and compete, get some games under their belt again? One, they need to up the physicality. They need to out-physical Golden State. They're bigger, they're stronger, and, and they're meaner. And they have more depth so they can body them up a little bit. If Boston can find a way to get under the, the skin of Jordan Poole, who you know very clearly has had up and down periods during game one and game two, mostly down in game one, a little up in game two in the second half, they need to figure out a way to get basically Draymond Green out of the game, whether that's technical fouls or that's foul trouble. You know They need to make it really, really uncomfortable. They need to make it intense. Of course, it's easy. Role players need to hit their threes, baby. Like, they're going to leave you open, baby, so you need to hit them. Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, you need Al Horford, you need Marcus Smart. All those guys need to hit threes, right? You need that. Star players, of course, need to show up. Jason Tatum not only needs to be a scorer, he also needs to facilitate in the same way that he did and play make in the same way that he did in game one. Tatum in game two had 28 points, but... He was a negative 36 for the game. Jason Tatum had 12 points, 13 assists in game two. He was a plus for the game. He doesn't need to look to score every time. And when he doesn't look to score every time, he just gets into the paint and like lets the offense come. The team plays better. They get open shots, open looks. I think Jason Tatum needs nine, ten assists in game three in order for them to win. Jalen Brown needs to play a lot cleaner. 
Yeah, I mean, he just has a hard time putting the ball on the ground, doesn't he? He just does. Uh, Boston moving forward, protecting the ball is key, too. They had a surreal 19 turnovers in Game 2. And 15 of them were live ball turnovers that led to 33 Warriors points. Boston had 98 possessions to Golden State's 97 and somehow managed to score 19 fewer points. All because of turnovers. So they need to figure out a way to force Golden State into turning the ball more often, press them, make them hurry, make them feel like they need to make decisions quickly, and then personally you guys need to protect the rock better on your side of the floor as well. Credit to Draymond Green. Played awful game one, said he was going to play better. Steph even said five minutes after the game, I knew Dre was going to come out in game two with intensity through the roof. Set the tone defensively from the get-go, from the jump ball, from the first possession where he got into it with, uh, I want to say it was either Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown. He got into it later in the game with Jalen, where Jalen, I think he had his feet on Jalen's face or something. They started getting into it. Like, he had so much intensity that he probably should have been ejected during the game. Like, and the whole idea that refs, as an aside of the aside, is that refs should be looking at how many technical fouls you already have before assessing a second technical is absolutely banana land. No. Like, no. That's like being like, hey, uh, I'm going to pull you over. Looks like you got drugs in the backseat, but let me see if uh, if you have any priors. You know what I mean? Like before you, before I ask to search your trunk, let me see if you've been arrested recently. It's like honestly, they were like, oh well, the standard needs to be higher for Draymond Green uh, to get a second technical because we know what the impact of that technical second technical right. is. That's garbage. Right. Is it worth a technical foul on its own or is it not? And it was. And I like Draymond Green, and I was happy that he didn't get technicaled out because then Golden State might have lost, and then they would have said, oh, it was because of Draymond's ejection, and blah, blah, blah. But Dre felt he could push the envelope further, not less, right. because it was like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to eject me? I've already been ejected multiple times through this playoffs. I get a bad rap. He's not immune from consequences. And, and nobody wanted to send him back to the showers for the second tick. Just bonkers. Game three, Wednesday night, TD Garden, folks. Boston has been strangely not so great at home right now this year in the playoffs. Five and four at home this playoffs. They are eight and three on the road. Usually a huge advantage at home. And TD Garden's known, you know, Boston Garden's known for having a huge advantage. We talked about that in our winning time recaps where there was like literally rats running through the locker room. They shut the lights off on you. They poop in your bed uh, in the hotel room. This is like Amber Heard before Amber Heard. That was just like random Boston fans. That's probably where she got it from. They literally did it to Bill Russell. They pooped in Bill Russell's bed. For what reason? Still don't know. What do they think they? What do you think they did? The opponent's bed. I don't even know what is worse than that. But it did probably vomit, vomit blood. I don't know. I'm not gonna even go in there. Anyway, um, two games in a row though. Golden State has had massive third quarter runs. You not, gotta fix that. You can't allow Steve Kerr to out-coach you coming out of halftime. Can't. Can't allow Golden State to do what they've done all year long. The problem is Boston has had bad third quarters all year. They don't even know why. They don't know what's happening. They have no answers. They need to figure that shit out. If Boston can win, if Boston wins any third quarter, I think they win that game. They're in good shape. They were up in both game one and game two at halftime by two points. Third quarter, bugaboo all, all year. So Tatum, I think, off 
off rip from halftime needs to be more aggressive. I don't mean just chucking. I mean more aggressive, setting the tone. They need to set the tone more on defense, clamp down on Steph, blitz him. And I think Brown does need to do a better job coming out of the locker room too. Prediction. I think Boston does find a way to win game three. Boston has not lost back-to-back games at all this playoffs. And frankly, neither have the Warriors. So I think this is going to be a back-and-forth situation. I think that's a trend that I'm willing to believe in. I expect the intensity at TD Garden will be high. I think the role players will show up at home. I think Peyton Pritchard could have a big night. I think Al Horford could find a way to get in 10 points. More than two. Yeah, more than two. Nothing so far, though, has caused me to change my opinion from the beginning of the series. Warriors are winning it all. Steph is getting finals MVP. It's a lock. Put your 401k on it. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We'll be back Wednesday, folks, with a new episode preview in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. If you listen to this live, thank you. I don't even know how many people could be on this. It's the very first time. We will see you on Wednesday as well. Follow us on the heat check on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, on my personal. Do not forget to download uh, to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple, whether that's the Odyssey app, whether that's Spotify. Please also tell your friends that these things are happening live. Oh, it's also the video component is on YouTube. If you want to see me go crazy, do crazy things with my hands and face, find me on YouTube and follow us on social like I already said. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you Wednesday.